Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. Man, this, this team worked so hard yesterday. Up here, getting all this stuff prepared. Isn't the campus looking amazing? You, you ought to see the nursery. And uh, the nursery is just... I'm, I was talking to some preacher friends of mine this morning, and I said... I said, guys, y'all should see our nursery. And I knew it sounded weird, and I'm like, I said, you know, normally I'm not like a big nursery guy, you know, until I am. But you ought to see our nursery. Like, it's amazing. Just amazing. And uh, this this building, so much detail has been uh, put into it, and we're excited. And we're going to redo all this, too, in Jesus' name. You'll be hearing more about that. But God is doing some wonderful things here at Bethesda Church. Yeah, our Bethesda kids, you guys can just go ahead and be dismissed. We thank God for the different generations that are represented here in this building. I told Miss Cynthia it was good to see her today. I said, how you doing? She said, I'm getting around. She said, you know, 80. Well, I was slow, but you know, 85, I'm a little slower. I said, well, we kind of expect, you know, that, you know, it's, 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 we know it's, but I'm so glad that you're here, Miss Cynthia. And then uh, all the way through the different generations. It is great to have, speaking of generations, our youngest. This is our little baby boy right here. Who's a little baby boy? (laughs) It is so good to have Alexander with us in the house. We love Alexander and Reagan. They are doing a great work. They're they're helping a church plant uh, right outside of St. Louis. How about them apples, right? While they're in grad school. And working jobs, and they're very, very busy, and we're so glad that they're here. So come on up and bring the word in Jesus' name. My hands are full. I'm going to apologize to the photography team in advance, but I'm going to have some product placement on this table. <laughs> but I, I love coming home. I love coming back to my home church here in Louisiana. And this is my first time back here since the renovations. So this is my first time seeing the lobby, first time seeing the nursery. It looks incredible. And the VBS decoration team absolutely crushing it with this tournament of champions that's happening here this week. (laughs) But this church is incredible. I'm proud to call this place my home church. And so I'm going to go ahead and dive right in. I I don't come to Louisiana often, so I don't get to eat Louisiana food often. So I don't promise to be a long time. <laughs> but I think I have a word for today. John 11, uh, verse 38 to 40, and then verse 43 to 44. I'm going to be reading an NIV. reads that Jesus once deeply, what's more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, she said that by this time there is a bad odor, there's a stench, because he's been laying there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. And then skipping ahead to verse 43. 
It says that when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were were wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. And then jumping over to 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful lights. And today, I just want to talk real quick about the three calls of God. As you, as you be seated, Lord, I pray over this day. I thank you for everything that you've set in motion. And I want you to be glorified in every word that is spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if Danny can come up here and he can tell puns and jokes, I think I can too. <laughs> and, you know, me and Reagan recently celebrated our one year anniversary back in May. So I think I can tell I think I can tell a mari- a marriage joke now. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> but there was this uh there was this older gentleman, he was talking to his doctor. And he's he's telling his doctor, you know, I think my wife's hearing is starting to go out. And so the doctor has, doctor tells him, "Well, have you tried Asking her about it, asking her if she wants to get a hearing check. And he's saying, well, you know, she's getting older. I think that she'd get upset if I were to bring it up like that. And so the doctor tells him, well, how about this? Ask her a question from a little ways away. And if she doesn't answer, get a little closer and ask her the same question. And as you get closer, ask her the question. That'll, you'll be able to kind of gauge where her hearing's at. And so he thinks it's a good idea. And so one evening, you know, she's in the kitchen cooking some dinner. And he's in his room reading a book. And he thinks, you know, this is as good as opportunity as any. So he says, hey, honey, what are you making for dinner? No response. So he walks into the living room. Hey, honey, what are you making for dinner? Still no response. So he walks into the kitchen. Hey, honey, what are you making for dinner? No response. So finally he just goes up. Leans next to her on the stove, just smiles, says, hey, honey, what are you making for dinner? And she just turns to him, beat red, and says, for the fourth time, I'm making chicken breast. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's not always what you think it is. (laughs) But just like that old man... Maybe a different kind of situation, but just like that old man, God is calling us over and over. God is continuously calling us. Now, how does that work? We see that's a pattern all throughout Scripture. God called Abraham out of Ur into the promised land. God called Zacchaeus, the tax collector, to a new way of life. And as we see here, God called Lazarus back to life. So we know that there's a pattern all throughout Scripture of God's call. But what is this call of God 
with a trademark logo next to it. I often hear this call of God in a grandiose, larger-than-life kind of statements or usage. Someone will look at somebody maybe at an altar call or maybe at a youth camp and tell them, you have such a call of God on your life. I remember being 14 years old and someone telling me, you have such a, God, such a call of God on your life. And I wanted to look at them and say, what are you talking about? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> but do only certain people have this call? Are some people more called than others? Maybe, you know, I'm kind of called, but Jason here is like super called. But let's clear, let's clear the air right now. Second uh, Peter 3.9 says real fast, and I didn't give this to media, but it says that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So at the very least, even to repentance, everyone's called. So if you're here, if you can hear me, you're called. Let's clear that right now. You are called. You have a call of God on your life. So we know that to be true. And I believe that there are three different kinds of callings that God has for everyone. So that first one is that we are called in. So I'm going to go on a side tangent, but I promise this is related. (laughs) I grew up with the story of a Christmas carol being played every year. You know, Ebenezer Scrooge, Ghost of Christmas Past, Ghost of Christmas Present, Christmas Yet to Come. You know, I didn't grow up with any version, though. I grew up with this version back here. Where's it at? It's coming. The best version of a Christmas carol. By the way, I want you all to know that you only ever notice the media if something ever goes wrong. That's, a, that's not a glorified job, and I got a lot of respect for anybody on the media team. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep talking about it right now until it appears. <laughs> but my family, my family quotes this version of a Christmas carol in our everyday lingo like nothing I've ever seen. It's... I'm not going to say it's normal, but it's <laughs> but we quote, you know, we quote Tiny Tim with his God bless us everyone before every meal. <laughs> we, pro- <laughs> we quote Miss Cratchit. We quote all the- <laughs> I'm sorry. There it is, the best version. <laughs> Robin the Frog, Miss Piggy. Kermit the Frog, Gonzo, we quote them all. Fun fact, that that little guy right there, his name is Robin the Frog, in case you didn't know that. But we, so we don't just say God bless us everyone, we say it with the Robin the Frog voice, we say God bless us everyone. (laughs) The best version. But a Christmas carol, in almost every version that's ever been released, including the Muppets, starts in the same way, using the exact words that Charles Dickens penned back when he first wrote the story. It's one of the most famous literary introductions of all time. And it simply reads, Marley was dead to begin with. It's very ominous. 
even Rizzo the Rat points that out when he, uh, when Gonzo says it. But it says that Marley was dead to begin with. It says that old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And this opening establishes that whatever Ebenezer Scrooge encounters on his Christmas journey, no matter what entities he encounters, no matter what happens, before it all happened, Marley was dead to begin with. And in our narrative, by the time that Jesus arrives in the city of Bethany, Lazarus is dead to begin with before anything else happens. In fact, Jesus waited two days before he made his journey, and Lazarus died on that journey. And so we know from the beginning, Lazarus is dead. He's not asleep. He even tells his disciples plainly in verse 12 of this chapter. He tells them, he tells them, it says that Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. They had been asking, oh, is he asleep? No, he's dead. And coming to the end, Lazarus is not, he's in his final resting place. You know, coming to the end of our lives, we always say that maybe the death is a kind of finish line. At that point, we've reached the very end of our life, and we go on to whatever comes next. And so, right there, any man would say that this is Lazarus's legacy. This is how he died. This is how he will be remembered. It only makes sense. And then when Jesus asks Martha to roll away the stone that's covering his tomb, Martha protests. And then finally in verse 43, when Jesus calls out in a loud voice, it's, Lazarus was not in a place that you'd expect for him to, call, to respond to Jesus' voice. Think about it. I have a hard t- enough time responding to someone's voice when I'm asleep, much less dead. That's about as asleep as it gets. He wasn't where you would expect to hear the voice of Jesus. He wasn't in the temple. He wasn't in the synagogue. He wasn't even in the public square where they might hold public debate or discussion. He was in a tomb behind a solid rock, sealed behind there for four days. So Jesus didn't call him out where you'd expect him to be. Jesus called him out where you would least expect someone to be called. He called him in a place of death. He said, what qualification is there for a dead man? What can a corpse provide? By all accounts, the matter was finished and closed. Lazarus was gone and there was nothing left. But that's the perfect time for Jesus to show up. God will meet you where you are. You don't have to have it all together. You can be in a place of death. Because here's the thing. The first way that God calls you is in. God calls you in your tomb. You don't have to be, you don't have to have it all together right now. You don't have to be the perfect saint, be the uber-called Christian that you can never live up to that standard. No, God will meet you right now where you are right now. Because God called Lazarus while he was in the tomb. And God can call you while you're in your situation, while you are in the middle of turning your life around. God is ready to meet you right now. He didn't, the, pro, the father of the prodigal son didn't wait for the son to reach him at his house. The father ran to meet the son where he was. He ran and met him in the middle of the road. We 
as people, we're really good liars. And the easiest person that we can lie to more than not is ourselves. We can tell ourselves that, you know, if I want to feel God's presence, I need to go ahead and make myself look a little more religious. If I want to go if I want to if I want God to answer my prayer, then maybe I should stop doing this or stop watching this. Maybe if I stop talking like this, then I can come to church and I can feel the presence of God. But that's not how it works. It's so easy to talk about God like he can't handle the baggage that I can bring him. This is the, it's like he'll look at Alexander walking through that door over there and he'll say, oh no, not this guy. I know he was talking like that earlier on Tuesday. He was watching, maybe, maybe he was watching that on Wednesday and maybe he was being real mean to, I'm going to pick on Jason again. <laughs> but maybe he was really talking some smack about Jason on Thursday. So I'm not going to talk to that guy. I'm not, I don't want to see that guy come through that door. No, that's not how it is. God can handle your baggage. God created the heavens and the earth in six days. He's the resurrector of the dead, and he's performed miracle after miracle. So what is it to God that your baggage can bring him down? Because our God is an all-powerful God. He can handle the shame. He can handle the baggage that you can bring to him. Because God can call you and meet you where you are now. So no matter where you come from or what your journeys look like, no matter what your church hurt may look like, what your family life may look like, what your last name may be, what the, there's an undeniable fact that there is a call of God on your life. I don't care if you're not even sure that you believe in God anymore. There is still a call of God on your life. There is a call on, of God on your life, and that's not going away anytime soon. And I believe that the second way that we are called is that we're called while we're in the tomb, but we are called out. I went through all the trouble of getting the water up here, and I'm still chugging my Red Bull. <laughs> Jesus called Lazarus while he was in the tomb, but that's not really why we talk about Lazarus. We know that he was dead, and we know that he had been dead for four days, and we know that Lazarus could never have walked out by his own power. No, we, know, we talk about Lazarus because God called him out of his tomb. You see, Martha protested whenever Jesus told them to roll away the stone, He'd been buried and dead for four days, and Martha told everyone that Jesus is going to have a stink, or not Jesus, Lazarus is going to have a stink. It's not some kind of normal stench. It's not that Lazarus had B.O. <laughs> I mean, I guess technically he did, but it's not a normal stench. After four days of decomposition, the human body can get pretty foul. The color of the body uh, turns typically a greenish color, and several micro microscopic life forms and not-so-microscopic life forms have probably already made their home on their new source of nutrition. The internal organs of a body at this point is no longer there. They've completely melted away into some kind of watery substance, 
and the swelling that the body can that the body will hold during this time, it can turn it can grow sometimes up to twice its original size if left unchecked. And it's honestly, it's disgusting. I'm sorry for how graphic this is, but I want I want the point to really set in that by the time that Lazarus that Lazarus was called, he was almost unrecognizable. Some would say he was too far gone. His inside had completely melted away. He was a completely different person that you would never recognize. There was no way that he could have ever walked out of that tomb. He simply wasn't capable of it. There was nothing left for that body to work. So when Jesus told, told Lazarus to come out, he didn't just send Lazarus' abstract spirit back into a body. He wasn't jolted awake with some kind of magical Jesus electricity. God, God, rest, God had to restore him. He had to restore his organs back from their liquid state. He had to quell the swelling until Lazarus returned to his original size. He had, he had to reverse the rot that had been eating away at his body, that had been completely eating at him from the inside. Our God is able to restore everything that has been taken away. Able to take situations and take circumstances and completely reverse the damage. Lazarus could have never walked out on his own accord. He didn't have the strength. Lazarus couldn't, have, couldn't even stand up on his own. He was completely gone. His insides were, were gone, but God restored that. God restored who he was. And that's the thing about God. He restores. No matter where you are right now, you're not too far for God to call you out. You may not have the strength to completely turn everything around, but you don't have to. We don't do everything by our own strength. We do everything by God who gives me strength. That's, that's why it says that all things are possible through Christ who gives me strength. God restored my ability to talk clearly when I was five years old. And because of that, I know that I can talk to you today. I have proof that our God is a healer. I have proof that our God can turn a situation around. I have proof that God can change your family situation, your financial situation, your medical situation, and reach you where you are, and take you out of that tomb. Amen? So no matter what your background may be, no matter where you come from or what situation presently you are in, God has another call on your life. God will call you while you're in the tomb, and he'll call you right out of it. Paul said in Romans that I am convinced that neither death, life, Angels, demons, the present, the future, powers, height, depth, principalities, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Death, could, death couldn't separate Lazarus from Jesus. And death couldn't separate you from God right now. Nothing can separate you from God or the call of God right now, because it's on your life. We don't do things based on our own strength. We do things based on the forever settled word of God. So if you so responding to his call now, it may 
You have to respond to his call, but God will give you the strength to answer that call. And he loves us too much to leave us where he found us. The final way that we are called is that we are being called to. At the very beginning of this chapter, I believe it's in verse 2, I want to say, Jesus, Jesus told the messenger, and he told his disciples, they brought, they brought news that Lazarus was sick and dying. He was still alive at the time. And Jesus gave the whole point of this story right from the start. Right from the start, we know the end. We know what the spoiler is. He said that Lazarus will not die. He will not stay dead. But this will be for my Father's glory. So, when he first, there it is, that God's Son may be glorified through it. So we know what happens at the ends. The disciples don't know what's going to happen at the ends. And I'm not going to go in it now, but I could pull out example after example of the disciples just saying the wrong thing all throughout this chapter. But the disciples don't know what's going to happen. The messenger doesn't know what's going to happen. Martha and Mary sure don't know what's going to happen. But we know what's going to happen right from verse 4. We know that God's going to be glorified in everything that's going to happen. You see, Jesus answers the question. We don't even know it yet, but Jesus had already given the answer for what's going to happen. And that's the thing. We don't always know what, is, what Jesus is saying. We don't always know that Jesus has a plan in place and that he's going to do A, B, or C through the situation I'm in now. But all we know is that Jesus is going to be glorified. And almost 40 verses later, Jesus was right. The resurrection of Lazarus brought many to believe that Jesus was God here to save all of humanity. Because of the miracle that Jesus did, it says that, it says that many who had been there to mourn with Mary, they looked on and they were astonished at what they saw. And it says that many believed in Christ because of the miracle they saw. And so it might have been easy for Lazarus one day to look back and say, are you saying that Jesus knew I was sick and waited two days to come heal me? Why did he let me go through all that? It might have been easy for Mary or Martha to say, I was mad at God. I was upset with God. And we don't always know the plans of God, so I'll give a side note. It is okay to, ha to be upset with God sometimes. It is okay to be mad or upset because something happens. We don't know what's going on. God can handle that too. And now we, ser we serve a perfect God, but we serve a God that's beyond our own understanding. We can have a relationship with him, and we know that God is doing something we may not always know it, and there may be some strong emotions that come from not knowing it. But at the end of the day, there is a call of God to. Amen? There is a call of God to. And so what is that to that we are called to? We're called in the grave. We're called out of the tomb 
And just as many believed, we are called to the world. You see, Revelation 12 says that they overcame the accuser, they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's our testimony that can take ground from the enemy. It's our testimony. I can say, I know God did this in my life years back. So I know God's going to do this in your life right now. God healed me back then. So I know God can heal you right now. Because we serve a God that proves himself. We serve a God that proves himself. And so because of the word of my testimony and the blood of the Lamb, I know God can do a miraculous work in this very room today. You take the stories of Jesus performing miracles and you see a pattern over and over again. You see the resurrection of Lazarus. You see the man in the graveyard of Gadara possessed by the demon horde known as Legion. You see the woman in, Sam- in Samaria at the well who... Her life was falling apart, and every time God called Lazarus in the tomb, out of the grave, and to the people of Bethany. You see, God called the maniac of Gadara, the demon-possessed man that they had tried to shackle, and God called him in his possessed state, out of that darkness, and to the people of Gadara. He planted the seeds for a church that would form there, and the woman at the well, he He called the woman at the well in her state of falling apart. God said that you've had had so many husbands, and now the man you live with isn't even your husband. And you come to the well during the daytime at the heat of day because you're too ashamed to face the people that would stare you in the eye and look the other way. God called her in that state and called her out of that lifestyle, called her out of that darkness. And because of that, there is a church recorded in the book of Acts that she planted the seeds for, and we can trace back to her. So we know that God will use your testimony today. We have a God that proves himself. We can have an encounter with that very God today. And let me tell you right now, God's already spoiled the ending. God will get the glory because he's proved himself already. How do I know that God can heal? Because he's healed me. How do I know that God can bring you out? Because he's brought me out. Melissa Anderson, prominent prominent doctor in her field, spoke of addiction recovery. And there's a phrase that she's used, and y'all can stand, musicians can come. She said that, she, she uttered a phrase that would be used Throughout various fields, a lot of people who struggle with, uh, who have had to learn with mental, with certain mental illness conditions have used this phrase as a mantra. A lot of people who have dealt with addiction have used this phrase as a mantra. A lot of people who have dealt with an ongoing physical ailment have used this phrase as a mantra. She said that when recovering loudly, we contribute to keeping others from dying quietly. Your testimony is important. We know of Lazarus because someone wrote it down. Because John put the story of Lazarus to paper, I can tell you today that God called Lazarus in his tomb out and to the people of Bethany. 
Your testimony is important. God will heal you. God can do a miracle in your family. God can do a Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.